Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexi Leachman. And thank you so much for joining me today. Now, today's episode is all about twins, triplets, multiples, whatever you want to call it. It's basically for mums who are expecting multiples. Now, today I'm going to be speaking to Mars Lord. Now, Mars is a UK-based doula. She also trains doulas and she's also a mum of twins. And Mars's work as a doula is she specialises in supporting expecting parents of multiples. So she has got a ton of experience as well as her own experience of birthing twins to share with you today. Now, let me just tell you, she is about to share a ton of gold, whether you're expecting multiples or just expecting one. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm not expecting twins, I'm not going to listen to this. No, stay with us, stay with us, because stuff that she is sharing is useful for those expecting just the one baby too. And she is, to be honest, an absolute delight to listen to. As I've been sitting here today, re-listening to the episode and editing it and preparing it to get out, I've had an absolute ball just listening to it all over again. So I think you are going to love it because Mars is an absolute superstar. So during our chat, there's going to be so much that we we talk about, but she talks about her own twin birth experience. Then she talks about you know, handling your pregnancy as someone who's expecting multiples. And then we also talk about the post-birth period as well, including breastfeeding and how to get the support you need after baby has arrived. So it really is a jam-packed episode if you are somebody who is expecting multiples. So listen up, here's the time that I spoke to Mars Lord. Right, welcome, Mars, to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you for so much for joining me today. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. We've already just been chinwagging a lot about your name, which is fantastic. And I think I'd just like to share a little bit with the listeners. We've got Mars Lord on and you are named, you've named yourself after the planet. Is that right? I have. Nice and fiery. Yes. Strong and fierce. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, now, you are a doula. Now, just tell us a bit more about you as a doula, because I'd love for the listeners to hear it from you, Mars. So just tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay, so as you know, I'm Mars Lord and I'm a birth and postnatal doula. And I also now run preparation courses for uh, encouraging women to become new doulas. I've been a doula for, gosh, well, it feels like all of my life now. I used to, I always used to say that I didn't know what I wanted to be until I grew up. And then I became a doula and I went, ah, that's it. So I became a doula because I'm nosy. One of the <laughs> at school, I'd had the twins. My twins are about to be 13. And I was at one of the coffee mornings, mostly because it, I wanted someone else to hold babies. And I wanted to drink a cup of tea or coffee without holding a baby. And um, she said that she was a doula. And I couldn't work out what she was talking about. And she, she wasn't actually talking to me. She talked to someone else. It's where the nosy comes in. And I went forward and I asked what a doula was. And she told me, and I thought, well, I've been at the birth of my niece. I've been at the birth of my friend's son. I didn't know you could do that for a living. Uh, being a midwife holds no interest for me. I love midwives. I think they're amazing. Don't want to be one. Love what I do. So I went and I did my first birth. 
and I remember I remember being really sort of clear and practical about it thinking right I'm going to do this doula preparation course and if I do three births that will pay for it so if I don't like it it's only three births so I did the first birth and I remember arriving at the hospital me mum and dad having spent some time with them at home pouring water over her back and reading uh, Hamlet while she was in the bath because I love reading and my reading has a theme you'll discover um we arrived at the hospital and I remember she got out of the car and had this almighty contraction and two midwives were on their way out one of them ran to open the door and another one grabbed a wheelchair and tried to put her in it and she couldn't sit in this wheelchair and sort of flung us through the door and said goodbye because they were on their final shift at that hospital and were going off for drinks. So in their glad rags. So we waved them goodbye and we went in and 45 minutes later, her son was born. Now they were friends of mine and her husband said to me at the beginning, the only reason we want you as our doula is because we know you've, you've done this training and you need to get some practice and because you're a friend of ours, but we don't really need a doula. So I remember after their son was born, he grabbed me and he said, how the hell did we do this without you? The <laughs> and I thought, okay. And I felt, wow. And then I did the next birth and the next birth. And here I am 11 years later thinking, wow, still. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing, amazing. Amazing. Now you mentioned that you had twins. So um, I'd love us to talk more about that because I've got loads of mums listening that are expecting twins. And I've even had some listeners emailing me go, like, you know, when she's had a, a, a fertility journey that hasn't always been pleasant for her. And then she emailed me go, I've got triplets coming. And I remember thinking, oh, my word, thinking, good yeah. luck, honey, because I can't even imagine that for a minute. And and you work a lot with women uh, that are expecting multiples. So, but I think yeah. it'd be really great to hear your own kind of twin journey. So would you mind just sort of sharing a little bit more about I, my, my twin journey, um, another sort of running theme with me is alcohol. We were... <laughs> on holiday in Spain and we were drinking champagne sangria and we decided that we'd have a fourth baby because we already had three at this point. And then we came home and thought that actually really we've had three babies and three's enough. We can't really afford another one. And then of course... That sounds like a classic drunk idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then um, I kept feeling really tired and I remember my friend... I, I called her, said, could you come and empty my bin? Because it smells like something died. So she came in and she said, I'll change your bin if you take this pregnancy test. And I'm like, there's no way I'm pregnant. And then I did the test. I'm like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and then, um, my cousin-in-law was going for her last antenatal as I was going for my dating scan. I said to my husband, don't come to the dating scan. There's no point in taking a day off of work. We know how these things work come for the big scan when you can really see something. Only scan I probably ever needed him at, really. And so the sonographer turned the screen round with the words, here they are. (laughs) What? (laughs) They are. So I went into hysterical laughter for a few weeks. I came out. My cousin thought there was something wrong with the baby because I was in, she said my whole face, my whole being was in shock. And then when I handed the scan pictures to um, my my husband, they, he just looked at them and just said, what? And then he didn't speak again for two weeks and his first words were, hello, vasectomy department. <laughs> so, so I was pregnant with the twins and because I'd been pregnant before, I wasn't particularly bothered about it. I was quite excited about having twins 
And half of me was thinking, oh, crap, I've got three kids. Why am I having two more? This is now five children. Who has five children? Yeah, no, you are certifiably mad. <laughs> yes, but, but you see, in my journey, I have met women with six, seven, no, I know. nine and ten children. Oh. So I'm total lightweight. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that, man, but I just think I have utmost honour. I mean, I just think about how crazy it can be two, and I just think, oh, my goodness, three and... And four and five. I mean, I, I imagine that after a while, it's, it, it doesn't make another difference when there's another one because they all start looking after themselves. But this yes. is me speaking. The twins from... have basically brought themselves up from birth. Yeah. I mean, making their own breakfast at three, not because I'm this amazing mother that taught them how to do anything, <laughs> but I just wanted that extra half hour in bed. I could <laughs> clean the kitchen. That was that was fine, and I knew it'd be messy. But those extra thirty minutes in bed, and then. So my pregnancy was, oh, it was okay. I had a form of hyperemesis. I had a, a thing called, please don't eat whilst listening to this. I had a thing called petialism, which is an overproduction of saliva. And it's a form of hyperemesis gravidium. So I couldn't eat anything because it made me sick. Um, but my mouth was constantly full of saliva. And people would say, well, why didn't you swallow? And I couldn't swallow because that would make me sick. So I was constantly spitting. And it's something that seems to be quite common in African and African-Caribbean women. Um, it's not exclusive to us, I'm sorry to say. Um, and I remember seeing my doctor and she said, oh, you poor love. And then going back to see her a few weeks, I said, do you know, after you came in, three more women came in with it. So I knew what to do. But the only thing to do was spit, basically. So you might see some women carrying covered jars that they spit into. And it's not that they like carrying their saliva around. It's just that unlike me, they didn't think it was the right thing to do to spit on the ground i used to do, i used to i hate people spitting in the street and i became the spitter in the street <laughs> so i went through the pregnancy and you know couldn't particularly go anywhere because i was just so ill and so depleted but you know and i won't tell you what i ate because my doctors made me promise never to tell people that the three things that i could keep down are three of the things they tell you you absolutely mustn't eat when you're pregnant so i'll keep i'll i chill raw fish my, steak oh. and egg <laughs> uh, two of them were alcoholic <laughs> oh okay <laughs> because water didn't work and so anyway so my consultant was lovely she's really lovely she was fully expecting me to give birth vaginally uh, 17 weeks, I developed hypertension. My blood pressure went through the roof. Uh, they monitored me. Then I needed to go on medication because it was just sky high. It wasn't high, it was sky high. But we were still on course for a vaginal birth. And then as I hit 36 weeks, just before I hit 36 weeks, even on the medication, it was climbing again. So they were worried that I would develop preeclampsia. So I ended up having a, a planned caesarean. Because uh, my, as my doctor said, hmm, if I thought they'd just come, she said, we'd induce and you could go for it vaginally. She said, but your levels keep rising and the babies are unstable. So whenever anyone tells me that twins can't turn after 35, 36 weeks, I think add expletive um, right there. <laughs> because, you know, mine were, I got scanned four times because my surgery kept getting pushed back. First time in the morning, they're both head down. And my doctor said, all right, we'll see how they're doing when we're ready to go in for the op. And if they're still head down, then we'll try inducing. And then when they scanned me an hour and a half later, one was head down, one was bummed down. 
And then they scanned me again and they were in a different position. And she just said, do you know what? They're spinning like tops. Just <laughs> option is just to take them out. She said, because I cannot tell how either of them will present were you to give birth vaginally. And so I had a planned cesarean of the twins, which was um, good because I understood why. And I knew it was a medical necessity, my blood pressure. And not so good because I was really looking forward to just uh, popping them out and <clears throat> being up on my feet again sooner rather than later. But maybe that was the blessing. Because <laughs> yeah. I in my rocking chair with a cushion, a baby attached to each boob, watching the most awful American soap, Sunset Beach. It was so terrible that it was brilliant. <laughs> um, in fact... It meant that I missed the entire Defoe genocide because I was just locked on my chair, baby on a boob each, and watching Sunset Beach. So the world outside just vanished. <laughs> Terrible. So how was that, that kind of new mum? I'm not even going to ask about the other three, just, just handling kind of two, one on each boob, I don't know, sleeping. How on earth did you not, like, I don't know, fall apart. The hardest thing was was actually dealing with the healthcare professionals. So because my blood pressure was high, I had to stay in hospital for a week after the twins were born. And um, they were mostly, the first midwife was a bit, oh, but then I met a lovely midwife and they moved me into a room and, and that got easy. But getting out of hospital was difficult. There's an assumption that, the, that when you have twins that um, – they need to be constantly checked for things. If they were born at the same size of a singleton and it was just one baby, you wouldn't get half the heel pricking and testing that you do with twins. And there's, they have a, a way of assuming that the smaller twin is somehow deficient if they're not exactly the same size or within an ounce or so of each other. So when I finally escaped the hospital, because I'd been really happy all the way through. And then um, I was told that, yes, you'll probably be discharged today. And then the midwife said, no, your blood pressure's still too high. So like a mature adult, I turned my back on her, put my head under the pillow and howled. So she panicked because they'd only ever seen me happy, tired, but happy. So the registrar came in and made me promise to uh, call 999 if I had any one of five symptoms, because preeclampsia doesn't end when you have a baby. The word pre doesn't mean pre-pregnancy or pre-birth. It can still happen up to a few weeks later. So I got home, and that was great, and the family were great. And like I said, I had three big kids, a baby to this one, a baby to that one, gave me a cup of tea to the other one type thing. And then the midwife came, and the first things she said to me were that I shouldn't be out of hospital because my blood pressure was too high and that my house must be hell because it was half term, five kids, you know. And then the second thing she told me was um, – how are you feeding those babies? And I said, I'm breastfeeding. And she said, you can't breastfeed twins. And if I, my birth knowledge, my breastfeeding knowledge is stuff that I got after I became a doula. As a mum, I just kind of got on with it. I wasn't an NCT girl. I didn't even know what NCT was. I remember Jake starting school and people saying, yeah, we've been friends since NCT. And I'd be like, what is that? I don't know, because I didn't have a clue. But because I knew that I could breastfeed, I'd breastfed my others. And because I knew that I could breastfeed because I was breastfeeding the twins, she could have destroyed me with that one sentence telling me that there's yeah. no way I could breastfeed because it's twins. But of course, what the science tells me and what I know with the knowledge that I have now is I have two breasts. Each woman is designed to breastfeed twins. 
And the more you feed your baby, the more milk you produce. So it makes sense to me that if you've got two babies and they're sucking on the breasts all the time, then you'll always have milk. If you have three babies, you just sort of do a sort of conveyor belt. See, I knew the word would come. And you just sort of move them around and you keep going and you have someone else that helps. And women have exclusively breastfed triplets to six plus months. But there's an assumption that you can only breastfeed one and there's no way you'll make enough. And it's like that stupid thing when your baby, you've been feeding your baby beautifully and someone says to you, your baby's too big to be breastfed. There's no way your milk can sustain your baby. And I think, well, the milk grew him. So if it grew him to this stage, I'm guessing it can sustain him. So she she was quite dangerous for me, or would have been dangerous for me if I didn't already have the self-confidence in my feeding. But um, because I'm a sweet, kind, gentle kind of woman, when she told me all of that, I asked her two questions. I said, how long how many visits do you have to make and how long do you have to stay she said we don't have to visit any more than you want and i um and it doesn't have to be a long visit at all you you know it, i don't have to stay i said lovely let me show you the door because there's no point in having someone in my home who's going to destroy my confidence at a point when i'm at my most vulnerable yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. i'm just yeah. feeding these babies getting to know them we're out of the hospital they're at home now I've got to keep them alive myself without a doctor or a midwife to swoop in and save me. And, you know, so I didn't need that with me. And the big kids kind of loved them. And it, it it was all right. It was blooming exhausting. But it was all right. And so what I tell all of my clients who are having multiples is people love helping when it's twins. People love helping. Let them. Get a box fill it full of postcards a5 cards with all the jobs that you want done on it someone somewhere loves cleaning toilets put it all in the box (laughs) say what can i do to help take their pick through the box to do a job for you because people do want to help but get good support and good help when it comes to things like feeding the babies and what you do about babies sleeping etc because everyone and his mother's got a story and if once you're pregnant with twins everyone and his mother knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who's best friends with someone who lives next door to someone who had twins and it was hell (laughs) and you think what why 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 should this be horrible and lots of people will, when they find out you're pregnant with twins, they'll recoil in horror and shock. And it's hard to find someone that just walks up and says, oh, that's fantastic. Not, I wish I had twins, but that's fantastic. What a blessing. How amazing. And not a lot of people say that. I do, because I think it's, I just think it's great fun. So you now work with parents expecting multiple. So just for somebody listening to the podcast who is expecting twins or triplets or, or even more, um, I would imagine, like you, at that scan, they, you know, they come away thinking, holy moly, how yeah. am I going to deal with this? And so what's that? Is there anything that you can share for them that, like, also help them on that, that pregnancy journey? Because I would imagine yeah. that, you know, even when you're pregnant with just one, you get a lot of, depending on who you land in the healthcare system that you're in, you might get some quite a lot of fear-based messages coming towards you. And I would imagine with twins, that, that kind of escalates onto a whole new level. It, it certainly does. So 
first of all, allow yourself the time to go, holy moly, <laughs> go, yes, we've got twins, and revel in that innocence. Um, <laughs> really, enjoy, really enjoy that time. And then do your research, find out. So a common assumption is that twins will come early and you will have a cesarean section. You will need to be monitored. You will need to have an epidural. You will need to birth in hospital. These are common assumptions and people say it. Strangers will tell you on the street that that's how it works. It doesn't have to work like that. How would you like to birth your twins? Start to think about it. You actually have to start thinking about it as a twin parent earlier than someone else does. And find good information. What's going to work for you? What don't you want? So I had a beautiful client, and she'd she'd had one before, a singleton baby. And she called me, and I'd supported her with the vest, and she called me, and she said, oh, it's twins. Oh, my goodness. My cesarean. And I said, you're what? She said, my cesarean's booked on this date. And I said, why are you having a cesarean? She said, because it's twins. And I said, and? She said, well, because it's twins. And I said, but what's the reason for having the cesarean? She said, my doctor told me I have to have a cesarean. And I said, why? And she said, oh. So she went away and thought about it. And she came back and she called me again. She said, I don't need to have a cesarean, do I? I said, well, you know, you birthed your first one really easily. So why wouldn't you birth two relatively easily? So when she crafted her birth plan and I said, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not a, you must have a vaginal birth, the world will end if you don't. I think all women should if they can and if they want to. But on her birth plan, she said, you know, if for any reason the things that I want are not medically advisable or contraindicated by a medical situation, please talk to us so that we're involved in the decision. But yes, absolutely, we're going to go down that route. And she ended up having a, a, a beautiful physiological birth where she only had handheld monitoring because she didn't want to be fully monitored the entire time. She wanted the freedom to move and eat and drink. She didn't have an epidural just in case because, again, she wanted to move and be free. And the first baby came so quickly that the midwife missed it. <laughs> Brilliant. She was she was on the bed, so she picked up. So the first baby came and she picked the baby up. And then the second baby came in the call. So she had identical twins in two separate sacks. Wow. Second baby came in the call. And, in fact, um, I remember as, as he came out or as the call came out, she gave me this funny look and said, I can feel he's not out. And I said, not yet. And she said, I said, that's the call. And then the baby came out in the call and sort of, landed beautifully on the bed and then she put her hands down as the sack opened and she picked up her baby and I have to say in over a decade that's the first time I've seen a twin mum be the first person to touch both of her babies oh, wow. How precious. but you know but so we worked together quite a lot from the beginning we talked about what are the considerations so when you found out you're pregnant with twins, everyone tells you that you're high risk, you're high risk. And when you hear the word risk, you think, oh, my God, all these things are going to go wrong. But a word I prefer to use, um, and this is me, and I'm not saying that everyone has to use it, but it'd be great if they did, is considerations. So you're pregnant with twins, so there are some considerations. So there are things to think about. What are the things you need to think about? 
Where are you going to have your baby? Are you going to have your baby at home? Your babies at home? Are you going to have your babies in the hospital? Will you use an independent midwife? Will you do it at home with an NHS midwife? Or will you do it in the hospital with an NHS midwife? Will you do it in a private hospital with an obstetrician? When you're pregnant with twins, you go under consultant-led care immediately. But that doesn't mean the end of your vaginal birth because you can still give birth vaginally of twins. You open and the first baby comes. In rare instances, it closes back down, but often it just stay, you stay open and dilated. And the second baby, when the second baby's ready, comes. Second baby doesn't always follow immediately afterwards because your body sort of goes, oh, I just birthed me a human. <laughs> and then the contractions might go off for a while and then come back up. But when should you have that second twin? Different hospitals have different protocols. Now, a protocol is not a medical reason. That's a guideline. This is how we like to do things. Well, how does that suit you and your babies and your birth? If it's a guideline, then it means there are things that you can do around it. We use the word allow a lot in birth. It's like we will allow you to do what with your own body? You know, this is my body. These are my babies. I choose to move freely. I choose to eat. I choose to have an epidural and just, you know, push my babies out vaginally under anesthetic. That's fine, but it's up to you what you choose to do with your body. So what are your considerations? How am I going to feed these babies? What pain management do I do? All the things that you think about when you have one baby, you think about with two. But if you're really blunt about it, the fact is you simply have two babies or three babies in your womb. And so you birth them. I was there. Uh, what was I watching? I was, oh, I was watching this fabulous thing that's just started on the telly the other day. This is us. And it shows this birth of triplets. And I remember thinking every time, I don't like the way they depict birth in America, head down screaming and everyone goes bonkers. But... All the twin and triplet births that I've seen on American shows are all done vaginally, all of them. Oh, how interesting. And I keep, I always sit back and sort of pause the TV and go, no way. <laughs> There's no way you can have triplets vaginally, and yet you can. But there are more considerations, the positions of the babies, how the babies are doing as you're labouring, which is why it's good to be able to move around to let gravity help these babies on their way but you know i'm not a I, i'm not someone who says that you mustn't you can't you shouldn't use pain management techniques or pain relief because it's not my birth and these are not my babies mm. but if it's not what you want to do then why would you do it unless you change your mind or feel that you need to Unless there's a medical need, like you said. There's a medical need. And again, my favourite saying with twins, and this is sarcasm, is um, we need to induce them early because twins come early. And I don't understand the logic. If they're going to come early, then you don't need to induce them because they're going to come early. And surely we should give them as much time as possible in the womb you know and i mean twins are sort of 50 percent likely you've got a chance of coming before 32 weeks anyway so you want to do what you can to encourage them to stay in 
And I do, I mean, again, personal thought, no, no science, nobody go and quote me and say this is scientifically true. But I'm reasonably convinced that the multiples come early because they're hungry, because it's so hard. There's so little space for your stomach. I'll never forget going out with a friend to my favorite burger place, getting really excited at the burger being put down in front of me, getting ready to eat this thing. And the little blight has shifted right onto my stomach and I lost my appetite in an instant. No way. <laughs> so it was, I remember, it, and the reason I was so upset was it was one of the few days in my pregnancy that I was able to leave the house and I wanted to eat food. <laughs> little blight has moved. But you know, so eat well and drink well. I've had women go to sort of 41 weeks with twins. Wow. That eat well and drink well. But you don't hear about twins getting to 41 weeks because doctors like to induce them early. So you look after lots of mums expecting twins. and So how, you know, it sounds to me like actually just treating this like a like we would any pregnancy like any yeah. expectant mum would mm-hmm. even whether she's having one or two or three and and just be open-minded do your research be clear about your what you want and yeah. again only veer from that if there's a medical need it sounds like same rules apply just maybe get savvy Absolutely. on different things yeah and you know and again, there are considerations. So someone right now is going, yes, but I've got identical twins that share a sac and a placenta and you can't have those vaginally. Well, yes, you can, but you may not choose to. But one of the considerations with twins that are sharing or triplets that are sharing a placenta is twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. And that's something that they're slowly learning about. They don't know why it happens. There's no specific time when it happens and um i I know that doctors like to get those twins out by about 36 37 weeks because of the worry of twin to twin transfusion but with all the checks that you get you can see if one baby is growing more than another and actually the worry is for the twin that's taking on too much blood rather than this the smaller one so it's a consideration so as you go along, as long as you and the babies are healthy and happy, but it's the same as if you have a singleton, as long as you and your baby are healthy and happy, just keep trotting on the way you want to trot on. But it's a bit more of a battle when it's twins. In the same way that for women that were having VBACs, vaginal births after cesarean, it was a, it, for a long time it was a battle to get a vaginal birth after a cesarean. Now the studies are all showing that it's safer to have a vaginal birth rather than have a cesarean after cesarean. And so now the doors are open and people are more encouraging of women to have vaginal births. And I feel in some ways that multiple birth is like the next taboo, the next wall to be mm-hmm. breached. But I'm really hopeful because the healthcare professionals, so I said right at the beginning that the hardest thing for me were the healthcare professionals, but they are becoming so much more woman-centered. So for all the ones that are moving towards a hugely medical model, there is a whole sway of midwives and consultants, obstetricians and pediatricians that are becoming more woman-centered and seeing it as, actually, this isn't, a medical procedure I have to do to you to enable you to have your babies. But this is you, woman, birthing your child, your children, and I'm here to support and to help. And so there's a slow increase in the number of vaginal births of twins, 
as people are beginning to say, actually, do you know, it's just as safe to give birth vaginally as it is by cesarean. And I think, I hope, that with the triplets, that same message will keep creep through. Mm-hmm. But remember, I'm not a diehard vaginal physiological birth kind of girl. I mean, I wish, I wish that every woman could have that. But that's why we have doctors and that's why we have some of the intervention the interventions that we have now they're used a bit too standard but they came about really to help save lives mm-hmm. so if the consideration means actually this would be too dangerous for you and or your babies of course you listen of course you listen and make your decision now i'm curious as to how how you know, we, we uh, when you were pregnant with one, you kind of, one thing I did a lot of was like trying to research how long labour might last. How long am I going to kind of handle this for? So I'm just wondering how long or what effect does expecting more than one have on labour? And I know, I mean, labour can last anything from 20 minutes to four days. So I realise it's a really difficult question to answer, but... I don't know, like, what kind of impact does it have on the length of labour for a woman? Yeah, you know, some uh, there's a there's an assumption that the first twin will come and the second twin will come shooting out straight afterwards. I did a lovely twin birth where um, she was just under 36 weeks and the waters had gone uh, fraternal twins, so separate sex and so separate water. And the presenting twins' waters went, and she went into labor. They called me and I, I went over to see them. Um, and she'd been checked at home because she'd wanted to have a home birth, but they, you know, they'd agreed that they wouldn't, but the hospital had agreed to send someone around to assess her so that she didn't go into hospital too early. And she was 10 centimeters. So they phoned me again, yeah, she's 10 centimeters run. So I was sort of, you know, the waters have gone, I'm casually strolling over and now it's a run. So we arrive at the hospital. And after a couple of hours, the first baby is born. And, you know, lovely, lovely team. I remember um, at the time she had, she was told she had to give birth in theatre. And that's something nice. They're starting to bring twin births out of theatre now. But the obstetrician turned off all the machines, put a sheet up on the window, because when it's twins, when it's multiples, all the students, everyone wants to peep in and have a see. So everything was covered. And the obstetrician and the midwife are sat there with their hands in their laps, just waiting, just allowing this baby to come. So the first baby comes. And I'm sure that the second baby's up, they go, no, no, your waters went, not mine, because he didn't come for hours. He said, no, I'm very happy here. I'm quite warm. So they ended up, after a couple of hours, they said, look, we'd really quite like to get the second twin out. Would you object to us putting up some Sintocin on? So she said, okay, if that's what you're going to do, that's fine. So they put the Sintocin on up um, and they kept saying, can you feel these contractions? And she was one of those women that, you know, that the waves go over her. And she said, no, not really. And so they put it up and put it up and said, you sure you don't need any? She said, no, it's fine. But they could see the contractions were ramping up. And after about another hour and a half, the baby, I saw the baby went, oh, stop it. <laughs> and then he came. And when he came out, I remember, I remember the look on his face. I was like, I was really warm and comfortable, so I don't know what you're doing. So her labour really was six, seven hours. 
but I've been with others where their labor has been a couple of days. It's just the same as with singletons. How long is a piece of string? We don't know how long your labor's going to be. I've had two singleton women who I caught their babies at home and they both told me mm. quite clearly, categorically, Mars, love you, love what you stand for, know why we have a doula, going in for an epidural. Fine, I said, if that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. I arrive at the house, they're laboring away gently. How are you doing? Oh, Mars is holding a baby because suddenly you're pushing and I'm sat underneath <laughs> it and, you're holding, and they're like, oh my God, I was gonna do this in hospital. We don't know. The twist mm. I told you about at the beginning, She'd been in hospital less than 40 minutes. So what kind of gap might, I know, again, impossible to say, but I'm thinking, what what kind of gap is there between the two arriving? I mean, you know, some might shoot straight out, but what what's the, I don't know, could a woman be hanging around for 10 hours waiting for the next one to make it? Could it fall into the next day? I don't know, like... Yeah, there's a, there's wow. a blog online in America. It was a home birth of twins. And if I remember rightly, it was six days between the twins. Goodness. They, you know, they had their separate placentas. They were fine. And, uh, you know, we don't tend to let people, a lot of hospital policies say that, um, that the contractions need to have started up within an hour. It's always, always worth asking for your hospital's multiple birth policy. Don't ask for a twin policy or a triplet. Ask for their multiple birth policy. And then you can see what it is they do. I suggest to my clients that what they might like to think about doing is saying as long as mum and baby are fine, we don't want any interference. Mm. Uh, some people are very quick to uh, want to induce the second twin to keep things going. Uh, and if they have a concern, then they'll do that as well but find out what your your hospital multiple birth policy is and decide what you want if you and the baby that that is in are fine and the baby that's out is fine do you need to change the situation immediately why not just enjoy those last moments alone with one baby (laughs) you know and do the skin to skin and let yourself be calm but surely it makes sense that a body that's been working hard and pushed out a baby will just stop for a minute and pause mm. or pause for an hour or so before the hormones start to ramp themselves up again. But we're very quick to to move things along at a pace, on a timetable, on a schedule to make it happen. Yeah. Is that always necessary? But you have to ask the questions. So anything that I say I tell I say to all of my clients to anyone that does any of my courses look ask the question but trust your instinct does your inner say actually do you know what Mars I think that's great but we need I feel like we need to act now the doctor's not going to say no they're probably going to be really pleased if you go yes absolutely give me everything you've got because then it, it sticks according to their protocol their guidelines and they can sort of measure for themselves how things go. So you have to listen to yourself. But ask the question. Don't just hand yourself and your babies over to other people and just become a vessel. Because we're not vessels carrying babies. We're women. And as our babies are born, so are we born into our motherhood again, you know? So ask the questions. What's working for you? And if you have time to wait... So if you say, what happens if we do nothing or we wait an hour or we wait half an hour? If you have time to wait, then there's no urgency. If there's an urgency, a true urgency, your doctor will say, that's great, but we can't. 
And basically they're running you towards theatre at that point. So ask the question, what happens if we wait? What if we do nothing? Because ultimately the decisions are yours and no one knows your body as well as you do and you and your babies aren't generic. Mm. You're individual. Brilliant. I'm just thinking if there's a mum listening to this who's expecting twins, there's, you just shared so much gold. It's brilliant. Thank you so much. Because You're welcome. These are, I mean, I can imagine, I, I get so many listeners emailing me saying that they're expecting to, they literally really struggle to find really good resources or information and they just feel like they're kind of going through the rest of their pregnancy a little bit blind and there's so much information for women expecting one but when it becomes more than one it's really hard yeah so just everything that you shared already I think is really going to help uh, a mum listening is there anything else like you know I, mean, I know that the post-birth is a whole new conversation oh yes but you know so look you have two babies okay so you've, you've had your babies at hospital at home wherever you are and Hopefully you've gotten and fought for that golden hour where nobody does anything but the babies just stay on your skin so that they can bond and you can bond and, you know, and everyone can settle and get over the fact that, oh, my God, two babies just came out of my vagina or out of my uterus virus is airing. And you've just got these two babies on you. So I always suggest that um, when it comes to feeding your babies, breastfeeding, if you're breastfeeding your babies, and you can get good support early, find out beforehand, you've got the Association of Breastfeeding Mothers, you've got the La Leche League, you've got so, you've got internationally board certified lactation consultants galore, get good help at the beginning and find out. But I always recommend that because a baby doesn't feed so much in the first few days, when you have twins, don't try to do the tandem thing in hospital where you don't have as much space, you're not particularly confident, and different midwives and healthcare professionals are giving you different bits of advice. Feed them one at a time. So Tarquin and Jocasta are the two names that I always use. And when I'm talking about your neighbours, they're Mabel and Ethel. Don't ask. It just came to my head. So Tarquin and Jocasta, uh, Tarquin comes out and goes to the breast and Tarquin, I'm doing it this way around because my son was this child. Tarquin's like, and Tarquin eats, and Tarquin, he got it. You don't need to teach this boy to breastfeed. He came out of the vagina going, feed me now. So Tarquin feeds really well, but Jocasta struggles a bit. And you're like, mm. but when you do them one at a time, you get to work out which one feeds well or better, and which one maybe struggles. Maybe they both come out feeding well. But if you do them one at a time, you get to say, okay, so Jocasta needs fiddling with, playing with a bit more to get her latch right. And then when you come home and you've got space and you feel more relaxed because you're in your space now, try putting them both on together. Now, if they go on and you know that Jocasta doesn't feed too brilliantly, put Tarquin on the breast first. So Put Tarquin, for example, on the left breast. After a couple of minutes on the left breast, take Tarquin off. Oh, my gosh, what's she doing? What's she doing? What's she doing? Put Tarquin on the right breast. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm being fed again. Then take Jocasta and put her on the left breast because the breast has started now. And Jocasta goes on going, I can't. Oh, well, as there's milk there, I'll just feed. Because you've started the flow of milk going. 
and then mm. you can do it like that. But take your time. Know that our babies are born too soon. Oh, human babies are born too soon. Every other animal, they can get up and they can run away from predators. Ours lie on the floor going, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be eaten by lions, tigers, and bears. So they want to be close to your chest because it's their survival instinct, and they want to feed. They will feed a lot in the beginning because they're trying to survive. But if you know this, rather than thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be exhausted, I'm going to be feeding all the time, and therefore I need to do all of these other things, Put your support in place. Who's feeding you? Who's watering you? Who's making sure that everything's all right? Who's going to take the babies, and initially it's the partner, and feed and change their nappies whilst you just sit back for a minute and then remember, oh, goodness, I've got to go to the toilet, and then you go to the toilet and come back and sit down. Know that for the first six to eight weeks, it's just going to be full-on feed fest. But it's full-on feed fest with a singleton. It's just that everyone tells you how much worse it's going to be with twins. It's not because you've got the two boobs. But, you know, you've got your full-on feed fest. And then it slowly starts to work out so that it feels like, oh, actually, I can look up from the feeding. But if you've got people supporting around you who will do all the other things around you, then you will probably succeed better with your breastfeeding. Get help quickly and early. If three people are telling you three different things, find the voice that you trust and you want to listen to. But seriously, get in touch with an IBCLC, an internationally board certified lactation consultant. Know, get someone who knows her stuff or his stuff and listen to them and make it work. If there's a problem, deal with it immediately you might find that the baby has a tongue tie or something. Get it dealt with quickly. Don't wait to see because what could be fixed in five minutes, because you wait, suddenly two, three, four, five weeks, and the problem's getting worse and worse and worse. Get help quickly from good sources of help, and then you will succeed as much as you want to. If you choose to feed in a different way, then absolutely but know how to feed safely. Know that it's not the boiling of the water that, um, that makes the bottles safe. It's the having the water up at 70 degrees and adding the powder, killing the pathogens in the powder and then cooling it down for the baby to drink. So don't boil the water and leave it on the side to cool and think that that will do it because the pathogens aren't in the water, they're in the powder. So do it safely. But work out what works for you. And just because Mabel next door wouldn't be able to do it, and Ethel on the other side, well, she had to do it this way, doesn't mean that's how it's going to work for you. So mm -hmm. get your information, know who you're calling when you need help, and then kick back and watch something crappy like Sunset Beach. <laughs> you're not going to be doing anything else for a little wee while brilliant well thank you so much mars for sharing all that amazing juicy gold stuff for mums expecting triplets twins or whatever it is really really appreciate you sharing all that and i'm sure the women listening expecting multiples really appreciate you sharing all that so thank you so much now for those that want to find out a little bit more about you mars and where they can track you down online if there's any uk-based mums that are expecting trips think i want that woman to be at my birth how can they find you okay so i have um two websites the first is www.mammydoula.com. 
And the second, uh, where I'm doing my doula preparation and working with other doulas, is www.abueladoulas, A-B-U-E-L-A, doulas.com. Abuela is uh, Spanish for grandmother, and we have wisdom from our grandmothers.com. You can find me there. If you Google Mars Lord, you'll find me. me. (laughs) And I do also run um, antenatal sessions for mums expecting multiples and for birth workers and birth keepers who are working families expecting multiples. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that today. And I'm sure that if there's any UK mums, they're going to check you out for sure. Thank you so much once again, Mars, for joining us yeah, on the podcast. for having me. You've just been listening to me, Alexia Leachman, here on the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads, my video mini-series on reducing your fears and so much more, then join the Fearless Mamaship community today. You can join at fearfreechildbirth.com. Until next time, bye for now.